Welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. It's the 4th of January, 2022. Happy New Year. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net in Australia. And I'm Jonas Wurst from Pacific Content in Vancouver, Canada. He is. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. Over the holiday period, loads of people started hosting with Buzzsprout. And because Buzzsprout supports chapters, if your podcast app supports it too, you can skip between the different bits in this podcast. Podland's a weekly podcast where normally Sam Sethi and I delve deeper into the week's podcasting news. Sam's off this week and... Well, so am I, which is why all of a sudden I sound as if I have the same cold that I had uh, in the middle of last month. There's no fooling you. Um, But every year, Pacific Content puts together a great list of podcast predictions. And this week, I have the person whose job it was to pull them all together, uh, Jonas Woost. Uh, Jonas, uh, greetings to you. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's it's a great pleasure. Uh, First of all, uh, tell us what Pacific Content is for those of us who don't know. So Pacific Content uh, is based in Canada. We're a company that helps brands, mainly North American brands, uh, achieve success, business success in audio. So what that means is we, uh, we, we produce podcasts on behalf of our clients. So I guess branded podcast is kind of the term that people use. Uh, but we also help brands with strategy, with audience development. So essentially, if, uh, if, if a brand wants to solve a business problem through audio, they should call us. Very cool. And you're being very coy with uh, any names of your, of your brands, but you work with some massive, great big companies, don't you? We do work with some massive, great big, big companies. That's right. Uh, they include Charles Schwab. They include Adobe. They include Rat Hat. This is part of um, IBM. Uh, we've worked with Ford before. We've worked with Facebook before. Uh, Morgan Stanley is one of our big clients. So typically, our typical client is a sort of you know, the term that we like to use in North America, Fortune 500 companies, that is sort of our typical client. Yeah. And I remember um, Steve Pratt and Chris Boyce leaving uh, the CBC many, many years ago to fund this, to found this thing. And I was there thinking, what on earth are you doing? Why are you leaving the CBC? And of course, it, it's now, uh, it now all makes uh, an awful lot of uh, sense. Now, you've been with Pacific Content for a few years, but where were you before? Uh, before that, I was actually working with Steve uh, a few years ago at the CBC as well. And in between that, I was working for a company called TELUS, which is a large Canadian telecommunication company, uh, also based here in Vancouver, where I was doing sort of other types of also branded content, but more on the video side. Mm-hmm. And before that, I think you were at Last FM, which is where I first met you. Last FM, yeah, those were, that's when I first met you. That's right, yeah. Yeah, those were the days, right? Uh, that was back in London. That was a, a quite an, an incredible time. Interestingly, when I think back now, when we first met James, this sort of... Last of them, for those that don't know, it was kind of a partly music streaming, partly sort of, you know, data collection service that would mm. give you music recommendations. I think at the time it felt like music felt like what we then call digital music, streaming downloads, etc. It kind of felt like what past podcasting feels like last year, the year before, maybe even this year. So it's still, it was, it was moving fast. There was lots of great things happening. So I can kind of see the parallels when we first talked back in the days and now there are a lot of parallels. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I think Last of M had a really clever thing called scrobbling, which would pull together all of the music that you listened to on all of the different uh, devices that you had uh, and keep a great big list, which, of course, made for much better uh, discovery of new bands and new and, and new songs um and you know weirdly those conversations are going on right now in terms of uh, how can we use th- that type of thing for for podcasting um i wonder if there's a if there's a scrobbling thing for for podcasts as well i don't know the thing that was good about music is that because 
you listen to so much music in terms of you have so many data points, right? Mm. You have so many different tracks you listen to on a given day, maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 different songs you listen to. And based on that, we can sort of organize recommendations for you. With podcasts, it might be a little different. I could, James, you would know this kind of stuff. What's the average amount of podcasts people listen to per day, like 1.8 or something? This is my guess. Might not be enough data to give you some really good recommendations back. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I think I think the average number of podcasts that uh, most people listen to is under three a week. So it's kind mm. of, oh, wow. yeah, so it's kind of, yeah, you probably wouldn't get very much data out of that. And of course, you're yeah. you're restricted by the data that you have in, in the RSS feed as well. So, um, yeah. And uh, that yeah. isn't isn't always particularly brilliant. I think Joe Rogan, when Joe Rogan was available uh, on the open market, I think Joe Rogan had like five words as his description. Um, something like, you know, um, uh, you know, unconscious musing from the guy in mind or something. And it was kind of, how, how's that going to help anybody find a, find a podcast? Who knows? Um, Certainly for machine learning, pretty hard when, we, when you don't have a lot of metadata, you know, they don't like that. It's good to have more information in there indeed. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's, let's, um, let's start in, in terms of the openness of uh, podcasting, because that is clearly... Uh, something that um, some of the people who contacted you with their predictions for this year, 2022, um, uh, some people had a view on how open podcasting is going to be. What were the thoughts that uh, people had around the openness of uh, podcasting? Yeah, some people had a view, including you, of course. Mm. Uh, I think the people that um, brought it up the the fact that you know we came from this open place where it was based in RSS feed and technically anyone can build an app they can fetch all these RSS feeds and with that the audio files and the metadata etc cetera, etc cetera. the fact where we might be moving away from that is of course the the people just like you that wanted to stay open they were the ones kind of raising it so there are some concerns that people raised around like a uh, a future where uh, RSS might not be sort of the the uh, de facto delivery mechanism for uh, for podcasts. We see it a little um, different, maybe, in that I guess at Pacific Content we would probably be old school. In that, yes, we kind of grew up with podcasting through the old ways, the open ways, and we certainly have a uh, nostalgic attachment to that. And maybe I should, shouldn't say we, maybe I should say myself, have a nostalgic attachment to that. Uh, and it, it feels to me like that sh we don't want that to go away and we want it to continue to stay open. Uh, at the same time, and this is what we would recommend our clients, again, those are big brands that want to reach people, uh, we would recommend to them, you got to go where the audience is, right? And if the audience is sort of living behind that uh, that walled garden in a sort of, say, a Spotify experience, then there's not much point not much point fighting it. I guess, you know, that's where we need to be. Your podcast needs to be there. That's where you need to think about your audience development. So, yes, we, we, I would say we'd love for podcasting to stay as open as possible, but, but you kind of also need to uh, uh, accept that the listeners are going into certain places that might not be open. Yeah, and of course, you know, we will see this year uh, YouTube jumping into podcasting, whatever it is that they're planning on doing, uh, as well as um, Facebook hopefully opening their podcasting up to more than... Do you have that in Canada yet, Facebook podcasts, or is it still a US-only thing? It's US-only, and the only way we see it is also through... Uh, or maybe I'm not allowed to say that, VPNs, etc., etc. Maybe I'm the sort of, you know... No, no, no. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you, you, can, you can see it on your own podcast. Weirdly, 
Um, so anywhere in the world, if you add your own podcast, anybody can add your own podcast onto Facebook and you can see your own podcast, but nobody else can apart from folks in the US, which is very confusing. But yeah, you know, so obviously YouTube and Facebook are going to be, are going to be very much involved. Sharon Taylor was talking from, um, from Omni Studio, was talking about uh, one of those companies getting to a double digits share of podcast listening. Do you see that uh, happening? This year, I hate going out there and making these sort of predictions in terms of the numbers and how they, how big they're going to be. I'm struggling with the idea, and I'm just going to use Facebook as an example. For me, Facebook is a screen-based medium. That's how I use it. I scroll a bunch and I look at some stuff, and I might like some stuff. Mm. Um, to, to to make that my audio destination, which in, in my case I like to use Apple Podcasts. I also use Spotify. Those are my audio destinations. So for me to switch gears and go to Facebook to make that my audio place where I turn off the screen and put it in my pocket, um, I think double digit is optimistic, I have to say. It's, I think it mm. will take a little bit more to really change people's behaviors. And, you know, if someone just wants to kill some time and scroll, then they might open a, uh, might open a Facebook. But if they want to listen to it, they might open another app. So I think that is a pretty optimistic number there. And it may be the case, of course, that people use Facebook or um, or indeed YouTube or, or, frankly, Spotify to discover new shows which they then listen to in their real podcast player. Um, and I think there's mm. quite a lot of evidence that that sort of thing is, is, is uh, going on too. And for me, that equivalent is always uh, a, a web sort of experience where often if I really just want to do that sampling, that 10 second, that 30 second, that one middle moment example i will do that in in some any web browser i don't care like whatever gets me closest to the the triangle the play button uh, mm. i'll listen to it anywhere and then if i after a minute or even after a few seconds decide like yes this is something i want to do you're absolutely right i personally will then go to my podcasting and find it and subscribe to it sorry follow it um <laughs> absolutely so discoverability and consumption doesn't have to be in the same place i tell you what that would be one great thing for this year would would be for everybody to actually agree whether or not it's follow or subscribe i have to po always apologize around like what i'm using and when i say subscribe because i'm old school right i'm parody yes. i'm old that i still you say subscribe that's hard like I've used that yeah. for many, many years yeah. to now start to say follow. Um, yeah, we always have to explain exactly what we mean. Yeah, and then some of us will have to start talking about clicking the bell and all of this kind of nonsense as well. Um, so, uh, I mean, there's obviously that going on and there's also paid subscriptions. Uh, 2021 was a big year for that, of course, with um, both Apple and Spotify adding uh, those and companies like Memberful, Supercast and others, um, uh, you know, redoubling their efforts in terms of uh, paid shows. Uh, you had quite a lot of uh, views from people about how successful paid subscriptions are going to be, hadn't you? You know, the interesting thing that I notice about that specific topic in our predictions is that I don't think there was any mention of it in last year's predictions like the, the previous year's predictions. Whereby with the other mm. uh, predictions, there is overlap, there are sort of trends that continue, but this was really a thing that was that was really net new. That's why we put it to the top, quite frankly, because it kind of felt like there's really been a lot of movement and there have been a lot of opinions. And to your point, most opinions were not that optimistic around where paid subscriptions going to go and how successful they're going to be for podcasters. Uh, the, the sort of consensus seems to be... Um, Paid subscriptions are awesome for some people, especially for those people that already have a big following, for those people that can kind of do that. You know, I heard different numbers, one, two, three percent sort of conversion rate from your followers that you have. 
subscribers, mm. followers that you have to a, 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 a paid, that seems to be a kind of number. Yeah, I mean, if you have a, a, a thousand followers right now, if you, if you convert 3%, that's not a lot of money, right? But if you have hundreds of thousands or even more that you can make a bit of money. Mm. Uh, but how many of us have that sort of luxury, right? Where we can say like, we have hundreds of thousands of people that we can convert. That's not most podcasters. In fact, that's a very, very small amount. Um, so the according to our predictions, um, the future of, of paid subscriptions is maybe not as optimistic as some platforms would make it out to be. Yes, I know. I was I I, I was particularly uh, miserable about it. But also, Bob Pittman from iHeartMedia agreed with me, which is um, which is always a always a, always a worry whether or not I've done something right or wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, you know, really interesting seeing that. I think also what was interesting is um, the whole podcasting 2.0, the whole value for value, listening to stuff. Um, paying each other tiny amounts of Bitcoin, all of that um, uh, stuff didn't get into your lists at all here. Um, I, w I wonder whether you're, uh, whether you're across that um, side of, of, you know, what Adam Curry and Dave Jones are working on, or whether, you, or whether or not you think that that's, um, you know, anywhere near ready yet. Um, so it's interesting that you mentioned that it hasn't made it. Absolutely. That was, we had just talked about this, actually, we talked about this uh, earlier today, how looking back at these predictions, uh, mm. that, that there were a couple of people, one and two, people, two other people mentioned the crypto thing. It didn't quite make it in. It was sort of the similar sentiment to what you see here already. Um, yeah. Personally, our prediction, my prediction is absolutely that is going to be one one part of the, the, the podcast ecosystem is going to be the listener somehow pays the creator of the podcast, creators of the podcast directly through a subscription or through a per listen and all, i think all that stuff is valid all that stuff's going to work mm. um mm. but the people that are going to have financial success with that and i mean for financial success in the way that podcasters can maybe live of it or it can be like a substantial mm. amount of income for that i think that's going to be a very very small number of people um and it doesn't it it that and that's okay. That's it's just not going to work for for everyone. I think we've seen that in sort of media. It's just all repeating itself, right? Subscription based, advertising based. These are not new things that people come up with. They're just applying business models that worked for a very very long time now to podcasting. Um, the sort of introduction of crypto just as a sort of payment method. It, I think there's some interesting stuff in there where you don't have to get credit cards out and that kind of stuff. But really and truly, you know, this is stuff that we've seen before, of course, in the media industry. Uh, overall. Yeah, indeed. Um, there's no Boostergram corner this week, but there's plenty of spaces to boost if you wish. If you have a decent podcast app, then hit that boost button now. And if you don't, then podnews.net slash new podcast apps is the place to go. You're talking about legacy media when, uh, of course, uh, Pacific content is now actually part of legacy media. You're now part of uh, the, the big Rogers um uh, corporation in uh, Canada. Uh, the first time I, I went to Canada uh, was um, Toronto in I think 2009, and um, and I remember going to see the folks at Rogers um, and coming out of the big Rogers building, which of course has a Rogers mobile phone company at the bottom of it, where you can go and buy Rogers mobile phones. And I just had a look round your uh, the Rogers TV cable system and been into one of the studios for the radio station 
stations that Rogers operates and uh, saw the TV cameras in there and everything else. And then I came out of that and I um, looked across the street and there's the Ted Rogers School for Management or whatever it's called. And I thought, wow, this, this is a company that this is a company that owns most of Canada. Um, so it must be it must have been an interesting time, um, uh, you know, moving from being a very small company into being part of legacy media. But you're not alone, are you? There's there's a ton of companies which have been, um, you know, subsumed into much larger legacy um, media organizations. Uh, and there was certainly a good uh, point of view from a lot of the people who um, gave their predictions uh, around that. What sort of things did they end up saying? You know, the, the thing with, you mentioned the acquisition of Pacific Content by Rogers, I think it was a smart acquisition, and maybe I have to say that here right now, <laughs> in that we do the kind of stuff that Rogers wouldn't do. Yeah. So there is a, you know, we're actually adding, hopefully I'm going to say that, adding to that portfolio where Rogers is a very traditional, yeah, you, we call it legacy, that's a good term, right? Mm. If Rogers owns like radio stations and mm. owns TV stations and, and sports TV stations, all that kind of stuff. So they're, they're sort of in the business and, of... And stadiums um, and everything else. Making mass media and selling... At, mass media mm. and sell the ads where you basically gather an audience and you have advertisers to sort of monetize that audience and with all the stuff that we talk about podcasting they, 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 even though that can often be the business model as well for podcasts you know you make a podcast you sell the ads you know based on the, the audience that you ha have for us it's different we, we make podcasts for clients directly like we don't create an audience we create a media experience that then our our clients publish so it's a completely different model so i think in that case it was a it was a very um it, i think it was a smart uh, acquisition i think the the overall idea from the um from the the people that provided predictions here is that legacy media and other big companies, so there's sort of two things. There's the sort of legacy media and then sort of like the Rogers or the Viacoms or mm. the NBCs, and that was kind of implied. That is one yeah. thing that they enter podcasting in a big way. But also other companies that wouldn't be legacy media, um, maybe like a Spotify will enter it even more or Google will do even more things there. So, you know, and Netflix, you know, you wouldn't really call them legacy media necessarily. Mm. I think the, the, the idea is that there seems to be a gold rush and a lot of people just want to enter the, the, the podcast space in order to hopefully sort of um, find some success there. And the idea is that not everyone's going to be able to find that success. And I think that's very smart. And I think it's part from both ways. I mean, if, if, you know, for Rogers, of course, Rogers wants to be like in the podcast space because that's where a lot of audiences are right now. Um, but finding the right business models for Rogers or for NBC or for, for HBO, whoever it might be, that is really, it remains to be seen. What is the right business model? Is it an advertising-based thing? Is it something that's subscription-based? Is it something we haven't even thought of yet? There are a lot of very smart people that contribute their, their predictions and they can kind of see that now everyone wants to enter this space as well. And uh, I guess many of us are saying like, you know, don't, don't get overexcited. Mm. This podcast space, it is really hard to make money here, even for really, really big players. Yeah. It's not like you're going to enter this space and instantly you're going to make a bunch of money. Yeah, but I think it also um, brings ad dollars with them and, um, you know, uh, and, and further, you know, means that the medium looks a bit more grown up and a little bit more, uh, you know, real. And that's probably probably a good thing. We've seen an awful lot of, um, of um, media in the US jumping into this. has been a little bit in Canada, not an awful lot. Um, of course, the announcement um, uh, just before 
Christmas about uh, Captivate and Global in the UK was uh, interesting. Do you see more um, of this legacy media stuff happening in terms of um, uh, in terms of European companies? Um, uh, you know, RTL in Germany and and those sorts of uh, things, or is this still going to be really a, a North American thing? I think. I think there's a few things. As you can see from our second podcast prediction post that we just published a week after the first one, um, language and having non-English podcasts out there, we actually see a lot of the people that contribute mm. and us as well. We see just a very, very large growth there. Um, we think the big growth in terms of just, this is not in terms of the business, but in terms of the amount of podcasts out there and episodes out there is going to be in the non-English space. Mm. So absolutely, I can very much see that um, those big European groups, those big non-English, so non-British and non-Irish groups, um, we see that's going to be, we think there's going to be a lot of growth there and a lot of people are going to enter the space. Um, I went to a conference last year in, in, in Denmark, in Copenhagen, Audio Days um, uh, Copenhagen. Mm. And I was approached by three different agencies after my talk. I did a little talk. There's three different agencies that do similar stuff to ours and they just wanted to sort of chat and compare notes. You know, very nice people, of course. I mean, it's Denmark after all. And I was thinking to myself, wait a second, there's three agencies doing what we do, branded podcasts in Danish. Mm. There are 5.8 million people in Denmark. It's a very small <laughs> country in terms of like, there's only 5.8 million people in the world that speak Danish. And there's three agencies that what we do. That just really showed me like the growth that we're going to see yeah. in, yeah, outside of North America, but certainly outside of the, 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 the English speaking space. Um, I think what we've seen over the last two, three years, now we're going to see that in obviously Spanish speaking, Portuguese speaking, Brazil and Portugal, um, uh, French, Italian, that we're going to have so much growth, there's going to be a lot of excitement there. Yeah, no, I think I, I would certainly agree with that. I think that's really interesting. So what does that mean for indies? Uh, then there was um, a little bit of sort of a thought about uh, indies in your um, uh, in your first uh, future piece. Do you think that uh, indie podcasters still have a place in this brave new world? So we talked about legacy media and with that other sort of big players like Netflixes. So that seems to be like there's going to be a lot of activity happening with these big companies that come with big budgets, they have big ambitions. Mm. And then with just as many people mentioning, to your point, independent podcasters, independent networks as well that are not part of the sort of legacy media and, and what can be done there. And I thought it was really awesome and encouraging to see that, that yes, we're going to have like the big companies and whatever Netflix's strategy is going to be is going to be a thing this year. But you also have great opportunities for podcasters that might serve a specific niche or that have uh, maybe it's a special, it's specific language thing again in a country, maybe just like, you know, for the Hispanic population in, uh, in the US, mm. for example, like have specific content there. Mm. And I think that is awesome. I think that's absolutely correct that um, uh, more niche content by independent creators will have, has a space, will have a space. I think we've seen that with other types of medium seen on YouTube as well, that of course there's big players, but then there's also a lot of sort of independent voices that have a lot of success, mm. commercial success or just audience success or, or just having a lot of fun. I mean, that mm. is the kind of, this is maybe a trope, but of course that's sort of the beauty of podcasting is that it is really democratic and everyone can have a voice. And yes, you know, your podcast that you publish tomorrow is it this exactly the same space as the 
podcast that Netflix is going to publish, and uh, yeah. and you kind of technically you sort of it's an even playing field. That's great. That goes go back to earlier to your point about the the openness, right? And we, we in my opinion, we want to keep it that way. That it is a level playing field for like myself who wants to talk about something, and and the next uh, the, whatever Netflix might do next month. So indies, we're big fans. I, we all listen to so much indie stuff anyway. Uh, we think that space is going to grow and they have great opportunities. Well, let's talk a little bit about content finally, um, because we talked a lot about uh, the business of podcasting, because that's what this uh, podcast mainly looks at. But let's talk about the content as well. Uh, I have seen a lot of focus on fiction podcasts um, Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years and certainly seeing, you know, Sean Howard's uh, uh, Fable and Folly Network, for example, in in, uh, Canada and many, many others having, you know, seemingly real success in terms of uh, reaching new um, new audiences. And, um, you know, and and this is very different, isn't it? It's evergreen content, which um, can be there for a long, long time, which means that you have to sell it differently. And there are various other things there as well. Uh, what did um, what do people say around um, around fiction uh, podcasting? Is there a good future for that? Hundred percent. There was a number of people that mentioned that fiction is going to be really, really big this year, and and I fully agree. You know, James, I actually don't understand it. Okay, so in my head, podcasting and books they're kind of similar in that. Mm. You have no images, right? So it's sort of this theater of a mind. You have to create the images yourself in your head. Yeah, one you have to read and, you know, but, you know, it's and the mm. experience for me was always very similar. And in books, I don't know the ratio between fiction and nonfiction books, but, but I'm, you know, I'm aware of the fact that there are a lot of fiction books out there. We haven't seen that in podcasting as much, right? And yeah, production is harder. The writing is harder. It's not quite the same. It's sort of, you know, making a nonfiction podcast, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's, it's really hard to make something that's really good that's fiction. Mm. Um, so, but I, I just don't understand why we haven't seen that growth yet. You know, we've been talking about this for years now. That f- finally fiction uh, should be a big thing, and it looks like this year that's finally mm. that's finally going to happen. There's there's also one thing that um, that we see a lot, and it goes back to the legacy media that um, that we talked about earlier. When we talk to big networks, especially U.S. networks, um, about podcasting. Where they see the big opportunity is, yeah, they, they think they can just generate an audience and sell some ads, but really what they're focused on is using podcasts as a testing ground to try yeah. out creators, try out shows, use it as a sort of piloting yeah. stage. As advertising for the IP to and turn it into a TV show. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so much cheaper making a full season of a podcast as opposed to one pilot yeah, episode, yeah. right? And. And there, I think what we're going to see is that suddenly we're going to have these big networks that come up with scripted shows, Mm. uh, podcast shows, that are then hopefully going to be, hopefully for them, I guess, they're Mm. going to be successful and get turned into TV shows. So um, there's still also the the independent part, 100% is not going to take away from that. But there's like very specific paths and business models that make sense right Mm. now. Um, And this year, it's going to be really big. I think it's really interesting looking what C13 features um, were doing at the end of last year. Uh, releasing, you know, 90-minute single-episode podcasts, movies for the ears, you know, with um, Kin and Shipka, and there was one with um, somebody else who I can't remember. Um, but, you know, it's very clear that it is there to show 
a Hollywood agent, this is a great story. This should be turned into a film. Um, and, you know, and, and, uh, and we all benefit from that because we get some great content there, which would be perfect on a flight. Ah, do you remember flights? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that would, be, uh, that would be really interesting, I think. And there's a funny irony in there somewhere where, you know, uh, for those of us that have worked in public broadcasting and public media, mm. I worked at CBC in the, in the radio space, And audio dramas were always the first thing to get cut. Mm. And we've seen that at a yes. number of different places. Audio dramas were the first thing to get cut. And, and maybe rightly so. I don't want to make a judgment on kind of like, as budget cuts are happening, like what mm. to cut first. But isn't that wonderful if audio dramas can come back in an on-demand form as part of podcasting? I kind of feel like to see that revival, it's, mm. uh, it kind of shows that it's obviously we like audio dramas, if that's a term you want to use, of more fictional podcasts. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't wait to listen to more. Yeah. And uh, there is still audio fiction available on, on the BBC, uh, of course, uh, on the afternoon play on Radio 4, great name, says what it does on the tin, the afternoon play. It's a play and it's on, and it's on in the afternoon. Um, so, you know, so that's worthwhile having a look at if you want um, uh, brand new uh, drama and stuff like that, as well as obviously the large amount of uh, content that's coming from podcasts as well. Um, that's fiction podcasts. But the other sort of type of podcasting that we have certainly seen quite a lot of over the last couple of uh, years, probably because celebrities have been unable to do anything else, is the celebrity podcast. Um, did people have a view on the future of the celebrity podcast? It almost feels to me like people were ready for maybe that to be over for the emphasis on celebrity podcasts to be over. Uh, yeah, because there were, as you said, a lot of them were launched and some of them obviously um, very, very successfully and I'm sure lots not so successfully and those are probably the ones I haven't listened to and haven't heard of. Mm. Okay, here's, here's my answer that means nothing. We think it's all good. For celebrities to enter the space and hopefully bring you mentioned earlier, add dollars with them and bring their friends and just bring more attention to the space. Like, have you heard of Smart Liz? You know, it, it, that's a good, that, that's good for our space. I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, mm. uh, but at the same time, the way we think about podcasts is a successful podcast does not have to be driven by celebrity. And um, I don't actually have a good explanation why, say, Hollywood movies, um, there seems to be a need or at least a desire to always have sort of that known talent, that A-list talent attached to it somehow. Uh, we think in podcasting mm. that is not a requirement. We think it's a lot more focused on story and a lot more focused on writing. And yes, of course, especially for scripted stuff, there is a performance element to it that is also really important. Um, but we are maybe we're just glad to say that it's not a requirement for a successful podcast to have celebrity attached to it. Um, and we hope it's going to stay that way. No, I wonder whether it's sort of celebrity or whether it's a known brand you know you know that with um cara swisher interviewing you you'll know that it'll be a relatively in interesting spiky interview she knows what to ask and that will be a very different interview than if it was um you know conan o'brien or uh if it was um you know leo laporte um you know and i wonder whether it's a kind of a, a sort of a known brand thing of of you know knowing oh you know i think you did a podcast with veronica belmont for M mozilla a few mm. years ago and um you know and i know what she stands for and i know what mozilla stands for and i wonder whether they're two brands that you've uh, that you've very cleverly brought 
together there in terms of that? It's possible, but uh, frankly, we have also, with our brand partners at least, so this is, might be limited to sort of working with brands, mm. we have created very successful podcasts with uh, with hosts or with names attached that just weren't as well known. Yeah. And and in that case, you know, maybe to your, to your point about like using a well-known brand, we used the the client, the brand of the client to kind of really promote it. We made this podcast for Ford around their, their new Bronco truck. And you would really think that's not going to be a good podcast. This is now a podcast about a truck. And it is. And so I have, I, I grew up in Germany mm. and I lived in the UK. I've been in Canada for 10 years. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a Bronco on the street. Like you probably, James, also like a Ford mm. Bronco. It's a kind of a big deal in North America. I love this podcast and I love this podcast because the actual story was, it was actually interesting how they did it. And Ford was very open about like uh, what the issues were with the car and what happened. Uh, you might be aware of the OJ Simpson chase where he was chased on the highway. Oh yeah. He okay. was in a Ford Bronco there. Uh, so that was a Ford Bronco. So yeah. the, my point is that the story was really what drove this. The story was really compelling. It was really interesting. And, and if I may say so, it was really well told. Mm. Um, we didn't need a huge celebrity attached to this. Um, we had a great host who was really, really awesome, but not necessarily a huge name. Yeah. Um, so that can work as well. Obviously, having someone with a big name attached to a podcast is not going to hurt, but it's not a requirement like like we seem to see and say in Hollywood. And I really liked what you said earlier on about uh, podcasting and books being quite similar. It's something that I've been uh, saying for a little bit as well, but in a slightly different way, in that when you go into a bookshop, firstly, there are over a million books published, new books published every single year uh, in the US. Um, so, you know, if there's an industry with a discovery problem, it's going to be the bookshop. It's not necessarily a podcasting. And then secondly, when you go into a bookshop, then everything is categorized in exactly the same way as a podcast app is categorized into individual uh, categories that you have to, you know, choose from. You have to know that you want a book from a particular, you know, area, whether it's fiction, whether it's nonfiction, whether it's biography, which is essentially a celebrity podcast. Um, and then, um, the stat that I found most interesting was uh, the best-selling um, category at the moment for books is true crime. Who'd have thought it? Um, you know, so there's just so much similarity there. And also, of course, podcasting and books are done, you know, overwhelmingly as a solo experience. Um, you know, certainly if you're having a look at adult books, kids' books are a little bit different. But certainly having a look at adult books... 90% um, of people listen to podcasts on their own. And uh, my guess is that 100% of people read books on their own, because how annoying would that be? Um, so I think it's a really healthy um, comparison, actually. And I'm sure that we could learn an awful lot from the book industry. I ended up speaking at a uh, book conference about three years ago and was talking about the benefit of podcasting for the book industry. Um, and it was lovely. I got to fly from Australia all the way home to the UK um, to do a 15-minute talk and then fly all the way back again. Um, so, um, yeah, and I just, I just found that really interesting. I wonder whether there's a little bit more in terms of um, uh, it, that we can learn from the book industry. I love what you just said about the discoverability. You're absolutely right. You have to, you know, 
judge that book by the cover. It's the same in podcasts. Also in podcasting, I don't know if you have the same experience. I need to listen to the first episode, maybe even two episodes to really know whether or not I'm going to like it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like something that I can like, with music it's easier, it's kind of like, well, this is already a genre that I like and maybe after listening to one song, I can kind of make a judgment, okay, I'm going to listen to this again. With podcasts, it takes me a long time. Same with books. Hmm. If I'm in a bookstore, actually online or real world, you know, I can read a page, but there has, I've, I, personally, I have yes. no idea whether or not I'm going to like the book. I'm going to take it home, and there's a good chance that after three chapters, yeah. I'm going to be like, no, nah, that's not for me, or I'm going to fall in love with this. So this is a discoverability problem, right? You really have to convince someone or really explain to someone what this book is and what it feels like and what it is like. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. No, I think it's fascinating. Jonas, you, you have a fancy microphone there uh, and everything else. Do you, have a, do you have a podcast that you want to uh, give a quick plug to? You must, you must have a podcast of your own, judging by the, by the looks of that. Yeah, no podcasts. I used to, but uh, not anymore. Um, can I just do the general sort of, you know, pacificcontent.com sort of plug? Lots of great podcasts. Uh, what's something that we launched recently that is fascinating? Okay, I'm going to plug um tell me what happened a podcast we create for onstar mm -hmm. a great little stories around like people helping other people um it's super interesting and it's been a great client cool well you can find that at pacificcontent.com and they also run a fantastic blog as well which has stuff from you it has stuff from steve pratt stuff from uh ramutella shake stuff from uh, dan meisner and many many other people there it's a fantastic read and, if, uh, and well worth uh having a look at that so uh thank you and if people still do this there's a newsletter as well where you get uh, every week the blog posts are being sent to you etc etc that kind of stuff if you remember newsletters i i remember newsletters and indeed uh <laughs> and indeed i'm i'm you very aware well, of them i'm sure uh, Jonas, uh, <laughs> thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, Happy New Year and have a great 2022. Thanks, James. Happy New Year. And that's it for this week. Please follow Podland in your podcast app and on Twitter at Podland News. You can also find previous shows on the web at podland.news with the three W's in front because Sam still hasn't sorted out the A record. Uh, if you want daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter's free at podnews.net. The podcast can be found in your podcast app. All the stories we've discussed on Podland today are in the show notes. Uh, and we use chapters and transcripts too. Our music is from Ignite Jingles. We're hosted and sponsored by our good friends at Buzzsprout. Keep listening. Listening.